Hello, everybody, and welcome to Smart Parent Successful Students Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos, and I am back again this week today with a different guest, and her name is Hannah Mitchell. Welcome, Hannah, to our Smart Parent Successful Students Podcast. Hi, Helen. Glad to be Thank here. You. Um, well, I'm so happy that my assistant uh, met you, or we wouldn't be here talking today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Amanda, wherever you are out there. <laughs> Amanda's a treat. She's probably going to be listening to this podcast and doing the podcast notes, actually. <laughs> well, hi, Amanda. You're a treat. Oh, so sweet. Um, so, well, we'll get started. I know you are a public educator in um, a county north of Atlanta, and you're a writer. And so I know you are a teacher of literature and composition in Georgia, currently working on your doctor of arts degree in English, literature, and pedagogy. Working as a teacher, researcher, writer, artist, and mother, you have learned to heavily lean on journaling practice to maintain balance, creativity, and sanity. I love journaling. I was taking a class, actually, from a lady who taught all about journaling, but in a different way, I think, maybe from what you're going to say, but... <laughs> This was more of a, a holistic approach and writing in the present, and it really works. It was great. And unfortunately, she passed away, and I need to get back on my journaling. <laughs> um, so, well, let's uh, have you talk first about your journey and what got you to where you are today. Sure. Well, I knew that I wanted to be an English teacher since I was about 16 in my uh, sophomore lit class. You can blame my sophomore literature teacher for, <laughs> for everything you're about to hear. Um, I loved writing uh, from a young age, but it, it was that, that multicultural lit, that world lit class that really made me want to be a, a high school teacher. So I started substitute teaching right out of high school and learned very, very early that I really wanted to work with what folks like to call the problem students. Um, I, I don't, again, I'd always wanted to be a writer, but I, I lacked the confidence to really put myself out there. I'm very bad at self-marketing. I can't stand the idea of self-publishing. I want to lower my work down in a basket from a tower and let somebody else deal with the nuts and bolts of it. But um, I love teaching. That's something I never lacked confidence in. And I felt such a strong calling to do that. When the job is done right, it can totally consume you. It can take up every spare minute. And as I worked with students in alternative settings, and I'm in my 15th year teaching, um, side note, alternative here covers a multitude of sins, you know, uh, <laughs> behavior right, because, issues. Uh, uh, let me say in the old days, like when I was in school and I almost went into an alternative school, it's probably different today, right? Well, I, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because it is not always just behavioral issues. Um, sometimes it's challenges with mental or physical health. Sometimes it's challenges with lifestyles um, and schedules that just don't mesh with a typical school day schedule. There's lots of different reasons a kid would be in an alternative environment to a typical classroom setting. And as I got, as I spent more and more time in that setting, I learned that none of these young people who had been deemed problem kids were actually a problem for me to teach. I mean, they might've been challenging, sure, but they weren't problems. Um, mm -hmm. Still, as life's demands got more complicated, you know, I, I got married, I had children, I got my master's degree. I started leaning more heavily on my own writing to give me clarity and structure. And then I started using the bullet journal method almost eight years ago 
uh, which really revolutionized my teaching, my ability to manage my time, to work toward my personal goals, as well as my professional goals. And now I invite students to journal with me as both a reflective exercise and as a way for them to practice goal setting. Wow, that's awesome. I can't wait to hear more about this uh, bullet journaling. So um, let's start with why are you so passionate about teaching literature and composition in a world where it seems like everything needs to be reduced to simply understood soundbite? <laughs> well, you know, we live in the TikTok age. And if you can't, if you can't explain it in two minutes or less, then it's not worth understanding is what a lot of kids have sort of internalized. Um, but as an, as an English teacher, a literature teacher, a composition teacher, whatever, um, I, I know that when you look at a student's transcript, their courses are called multicultural literature or advanced composition or American lit comp or whatever. But what I'm really teaching in my classes isn't the literature itself. The literature is the tool. I'm using literature to teach critical thinking, analysis skills, empathy, by encouraging the students to engage authentically with texts. And, you know, by texts, I mean media, everything from commercials to comics to canonical literature. Students can learn how to make these sound judgment calls that they will need in their adult life to support their opinions with valid and verified information, to connect with to connect with people and to understand people who are different than themselves. Encouraging students to respond through journaling is a great way to help them make those real world connections between what they're reading and what is going on in their real lives. And then how to build all of that together to serve their future goals. So as I said earlier, I myself use a bullet journal, um, the, the bullet journal system. I, I can't live without it at this point. It's basically my portable, readable brain. And um, the kids really respond when I share how I work. It's the authenticity, I think, that speaks to the students. Uh, they can, they, a teenager can smell a phony a mile away. So when I show them what my version of adult life looks like, which includes reading, which includes journaling, which includes you know, a thousand different hacks for dealing with the demands of the real world and being honest with them about how hard things can be, the kids really engage with that. Mm, that's that's amazing because really it's funny how they must think that after they're done with high school, that reading, writing, math, and journaling, writing especially is going to go away. <laughs> they do. And they also think that they're going to suddenly get some adult upgrade and everything is going to be easy. And they'll suddenly <laughs> understand how to manage their money and they'll suddenly understand how to get all of the laundry done in a week. And it's not, it's, it's hard for everybody. And, and people look, the kids are not seeing it. Right. Isn't that amazing? I don't know if that's because parents are doing it for them and they don't really get how long it takes, the detail of it, the manpower, the mind power to it. <laughs> I think it might be part of that, but I think it's also just, kids are so supervised. Kids are given very little active freedom up mm -hmm. until they're 18. We treat them as children until they turn 18. And then all of a sudden they're expected to know how to be adults. One of the things that I always try to tell my children who are very little is I am not raising children. I'm raising adults. You have to learn how to do this on your own. So mm -hmm. it's, it's the task initiation. I think that the kids have a hard time with. Yes. Yeah. And now I think School systems could be rolling a little too far to the other end of that and expecting them, I'm hearing, 
uh, let's say for instance, math, they're not talking to them too much and showing them too much. They expect them to go figure it out on their own. I'm like, math? I mean, don't you have to show them the step-by-step -step approach? And then, then they got to go execute it themselves. <laughs> Math and I don't get along. I'm an English teacher. And it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we gotta you gotta show them and role model it right before they can go do it. <laughs> so how um tell us about bullet journaling and what it is, first of all, and then how is it different from regular journaling or using a planner? Regular journey journaling is a fantastic skill in anyone's self-improvement toolbox. A planner is a great tool also, but when I discovered Ryder Carroll's bullet journal system um, seven or eight years ago, eight or nine years ago, I was desperate for a way to incorporate all of my must-dos and want-tos and don't forgets all in one place. I'm a writer, I'm an artist, I'm a teacher and a mom, I'm a Southern woman with a big old family who all live right around here. I'm a passionate creative and I collect hobbies like some people collect stamps or rare books. Mm -hmm. I lived for years carrying around a commonplace book for ideas, a regular notebook for grocery lists and to-dos, sketchbook, a planner. The <laughs> journal system allowed me to put all of those things in one place, use any regular notebook as something that could contain multitudes. Mm -hmm. uh, it all of my kind of disparate threads into just one thing. And um, again, it was developed by Ryder Carroll. It was developed um, to manage his own ADHD, which I was diagnosed with as an adult only three or four years ago. Um, and the bullet journal method at its core is very simple based off of the structure of bulleted lists. I really recommend checking out bulletjournal.com to see how it all works because there are so many fantastic resources there about understanding the past and organizing the present and then planning for the future that you want. Mm -hmm. But it was a simple table of contents that really clicked in my mind. When you number your journal pages and you just leave a few blank leaves in the front for a list of contents, then it doesn't matter what order anything is in. You just turn to the next page and keep moving. That meant that my high-strung brain, my anxious brain did not have to worry about September and October calendars being right next to each other or running out of planning space for something. I can just move on to the next page and then log those pages in the contents. And something about that just really scratched my brain in a satisfying way. It was like permission to be imperfect. Yeah. And, it, and it meant that I didn't have to get it all set up at once. And it really That's drove true. home the fact that this is a practice, not a product. Mm -hmm. it, helps me, it helped me let go of a lot of perfectionism and anxiety that I had. And you'll see, if you go looking for it, you'll see a lot of very highly decorated bullet journals out there or bujos and some people call them on Instagram and on Pinterest. Now I decorate mine and I fill it with art and doodles and stickers and washi tape, but that's window dressing. That's not part of the system if you don't want it to be. I'm, again, I'm an artist. I'm an unrepentant doodler. If I can't make it pretty and fun, then it isn't going to keep my interest. <laughs> if something doesn't keep my interest, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to avoid it. And my bullet journal practice keeps my interest, even with my ADHD, because I make it at least a little bit new and different each month. That's cool. Um, so it's really about you form your own table of contents, it sounds like, right? You make everything yourself. You can get printable stuff. It, there's so many resources of printable things that you can put. I have a, 
I have a health tracker that I made that I print and put in my journal just because it's a lot of little boxes to track a lot of little things, but everything else I do, I do by hand. What kind of things are in your table of contents? Well, right now in my table of contents, I have a page for inspiring quotes. Mm -hmm. I have a page for, um, I have my future log, which is a crucial part, which is all of the things month by month for the upcoming year that you need. So as you're making your plans, if you have a plan for next August, you just put it there and you don't have to worry about having next year's August page already set up. You've got the Cliff's Notes version ready to go. Um, I have a list of birthdays. I have a page that is a when did I last page for household chores. Like when did I last flip the mattresses? When did I last ah. clean the air filters in the house or replace those? When did I last change the light bulbs in the kitchen? Oh, that's a great idea. I've got a gratitude log. I have a list of writing projects I'm working on. I have a, a list of trackers, uh, like a list of uh, publication places that I've gotten yeses and nos from. Um, it just keeps going. I've got a, you have a every, list of uh, everything in my brain. What kills me is when doctors make appointments for you the next year. Like that just <laughs> happened to me yesterday. All right. Mm -hmm. Oh, would you like another appointment? I go, what, a year from now? Are you going to do it? And they're like, yeah, of course. <laughs> I've got a page for that. Stick it right in there. I don't even need yeah, the little reminder card so that they give put me. something like that, right? <laughs> you make a place. And that's for right. anything, I have a page that's just for the plans for my daughter's birthdays, just for their birthday parties. It can that's be as detailed or as big as you want. Well, especially when you're doing projects that take a while and, or you're not going to start. I'm like, I'm going to do a hundredth episode party for this uh, podcast. And, but I'm not going to, I mean, I keep saying, I got to remind myself, I got to put it in my calendar to tell my assistant to start working on that in the next couple of weeks or so, even though we're not doing it till later in January, but like people who are planning for travel, that's a perfect. Absolutely. I've had travel pages planning it now. <laughs> I have a page. I have gratitude logs for each month. I have, um, uh, I have a, a whole section of notes that I took when I was at the Red Clay Writers Conference in Kennesaw last spring. Uh, you know, whatever you need, you make the space for it, just like you would in your real life. But it's all in one place. That's mm -hmm. the beauty of it. And then when you run out of space, you go to another journal. Is that correct? Another journal. Yeah. yeah. You just switch right over. And you now, look at the table the, in, of contents to see yeah. what's in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's interesting in writer Carol's system is he specifically suggests starting a new journal with every year. Um, I I like to just I like to just fill mine up until I'm ready. He sure. he suggests that clean break of letting go of the old year and moving into the new one. But I could care less about the year. That is just a time for me. It means nothing uh -huh. to me. So um, I I measure my life now in in bullet journal eras. You know I have. I have October 2016 through October 2017, November 2017 to January 2019, and it just keeps going. And I keep them, and they're all here. That's I'll awesome. be in an anthropologist's dream one day. <laughs> in 2,000 years, they'll find it fossilized. Do you order your journals from Amazon? or You can. Any old journal will work. Just a regular spiral notebook will work. It does not have to be anything special. My favorite ones are from Notebook Therapy. And um, writer Carol is going to be irritated at me for not plugging the bullet journal specific bullet journal brand. Um, I just haven't tried them yet, but I have tried the Luke term, which is a classic, but the notebook therapy 
Notebook.com notebooks have the best paper I have ever, ever, ever used. I have that a really big. I have a <laughs> marker test page as my last page. I go to the very back page when I get a notebook and test all my different markers and pens uh -huh. for bleed through to see what I can use and what I can't. Uh. And this one, the notebook therapy, the only thing that bled through at all was a real genuine fat tip Sharpie. Everything else, every other highlighter, every other marker, even the narrow tip, fine tip Sharpies, no bleed. It's important. Is your <laughs> table, right, exactly. Bleed. Is your table of contents in different colors? My table of contents is not. Mm -mm. No, oh, it okay. is just, it is just basic. My table of contents is, is uh, just a list, regular old list. That's a working, it's a working page, but some of my collections are really pretty. I tried to make my future log pretty. I have pictures of all of this stuff up on my Instagram. Um, my One of my favorite ones is my um, my key page where I just put a whole bunch of stickers and it says, you know, a dot signifies a task. When you put an X through it, that means it's complete. When you put an arrow through it, that means the task was migrated, meaning you had to move it forward because you didn't get it done that day um, or in that list. And it's all about looking and seeing, well, what was I able to accomplish? What was I not able to accomplish? What do I not need to do that became irrelevant? And what do I need to move forward that is still relevant, that still needs to get done? It's very much a mindfulness practice. Yeah, that sounds like it. Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, I know I do gratitudes in my planner. I log all my, let's say, my uh, revenue by day <laughs> in the planner. But that, that sounds really interesting because, you, like you said, one thing I can't squeeze in is everything related to my life, which I do it because I want to only use one planner. But it gets pretty tight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I like the fact that yours has like a table of contents so you can go right back to that page and find it if you're looking back a quarter, let's say, or a couple months back. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, so what are some writing projects that you're currently working on? I have two or three children's books that I'm working on um, where the text is completely done. They're ready. Um, one, I'm trying to illustrate myself, but I've got to tell you, the imposter syndrome is strong with this one. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. I have a few others that I'm, I'm not sure about. I'd love to collaborate with an artist and, and share the creation of the work 50-50 instead of just commissioning work that would just be a one and done uh which is how most illustrators work and totally fair totally valid but I'd like I'd like somebody to be a creative partner who mm. would would share in the in any revenue of the book rather than just taking the the the, the commission work and, and moving on I just haven't found the right person yet um yeah. right now I'm primarily focused on research I'm conducting primary research for the first time I've never done primary research and it's um one of the most exciting things my geeky little brain has ever dug itself into. Uh, it's a treasure hunt every day because I'm researching a um, this forgotten poet from the late 1700s, early 1800s from the Cumberland region of the United Kingdom. And uh, he was he's completely, completely forgotten, published half a dozen books of poetry and seems to have made no impact culturally. There's very, almost no scholarly research. His Wikipedia page is so short that you don't even scroll it. It's just on, mm -hmm. just on the screen. And a lot of it is incorrect, I'm discovering. Um, it's very strange to consider myself the world expert on somebody, but of course it would be basically a nobody. Um, 
so I'm working up uh, conference proposals about the research that I'm doing with him and the discoveries I'm making with him. And I am going to, I'm planning on publishing a short biography of his, of his life and uh, uh, along with uh, his collected works, try to get all of his collected works in one thing. I think that he has a place in the canon. I think he has a really interesting spot situated between the kind of neoclassical period and the romantic period of English poetry. And I'm really excited to, to kind of find a way to shoehorn him into, uh, into the limelight. So well, that's, that's, cool. that's my big focus right now. Well, that's awesome. Um, well, tell the audience how they can reach you and where, where are you located? Are you on Instagram or which social media pages are you on? I am, I am on Instagram. I am on Instagram for, um, mom stuff and bullet journaling stuff at, um, lazy busy mama. And that's, <laughs> that's M A M A. And, uh, um, my writing Instagram is at stolen morning light, which is also my website name, stolen morning which is where all of my writing goes. Um, I thought about making an Instagram, like a bullet journal and putting everything in one place, but, um, <laughs> I really don't want my family to read that much of my poetry, to be perfectly honest. So, <laughs> Near the twain shall meet. And then parents can contact you on your website, right? Absolutely. And that's stolenmorninglight.com backslash contact.html. We'll have that link available for everyone to just click on it. You don't have to memorize that. <laughs> and, um, so I really appreciate this interesting, um, you know, podcast interview. Thank you for uh, joining me today. And so much um, for having me, Helen. I think that's a really cool thing. I may have to start looking at uh, bullet journaling myself <laughs> since I was doing journaling anyway. <laughs> well, I, I mean, even my nine-year-old does it with me. So it's, that's uh, awesome. It's, anybody can do it. Well, thank you again um, for coming on. And this will be airing, you know, inside of our hundredth episode within season 10 and uh that will air anytime between november 7th and january middle of january so uh everyone thank you for joining us again today and we hope you have a great rest of your day and week bye for now <laughs>